Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Today I thought, you know, talk about what it really means to move forward in our life. And uh, one of my favourite uh, favorite guys, and, he, and it's, if I could go back in time, I was, I'm a uh, Doctor Who fan, you know, go back in the TARDIS. I'd go back and I'd visit the Apostle Paul. Because, you know, the Apostle Paul was an amazing man, I think, and yeah. probably one of the greatest heroes of the faith. And, um, but it was because, you know, as he was on the road to Damascus, here's a guy who was a Jew of the Jews. He was, uh, he, he, if you looked at him today, he would be a guy that had everything. He had wealth, he had position, he had title, he had credentials. He was just everything. But, you know, if we read in Ephesians 3, verse 8, he says, Indeed, when he recounts everything that he is, this is what his answer is. Indeed, I count everything as loss because it surpasses worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He was a guy who was on the road to Damascus to go and beat up a whole stack of Christians and lock a few up and maybe stone a couple, whose life radically changed. And it was because he got himself a revelation of Jesus. Yeah. And it's a revelation of Jesus that changed him for the rest of his life and that he endured everything that he had to endure, which was he was shipwrecked twice. He got stoned, uh, sorry, whipped a few times. He got stoned and left for dead. He locked up more times than he, he can remember. Um, you look at his second part of his life, if you looked at it from a natural aspect, you'd say it was a big failure. Um, but in essence, he was one of the key principles of why we have Christian faith today. And he wrote a large part of the Bible. Another one of the great faiths that I, one of the great loves I have is the Apostle John. Uh, John, uh, who was the only disciple to actually live to old age. The rest were martyred for Christ. Um, He was actually boiled in oil but didn't die and was exiled to the, uh, the island of Patmos. And today I've titled the message, Finding Our Patmos. The Isle of Patmos was a place where exiled convicts went, where the Romans would just send them to die. And the Apostle Paul went there, and he was, this was in 19, oh, sorry, the year 95 AD, he was sent there. And um, this is a few years after Christ, it's like 60-odd years after Christ had died. And he was there, and what does he go and do? He goes and converts most of the people on the Isle of Patmos to Christianity. Uh, but he goes there, and on the, while he's in the cave of the island of Patmos, he gets what we now call the Book of Revelations. And the thing is, I look at it and I go, if I want to know who Jesus is, and I often ask this question of people, what is your, who is Jesus to you? Because that's a very profound question. Because it will define how you walk. It will define how you see life. Who is Jesus to you? Now, if Jesus is just a saviour, when you get to a place where you don't feel you need a saviour anymore, What's the problem with that? If you think Jesus is just a healer and you get healed and you're no longer in need of a healer, then who is Jesus to you? So sometimes we need to go into a multi-layered level of who Jesus is to us. And I want you to think about a relationship that you have right now in the natural. Maybe it's your husband, your husband or your wife or your children or a parent. And think about that relationship. And if it was superficial, how long would it last? But it's because of the depth of our relationship, the trials and tribulations, the circumstances that evade us, 
and prevail against us that makes us stand stronger. We've been married nearly 32 years. I know she doesn't look that old to be married that long. But um, for 32 years we've been married and I can tell you the things that we have faced over those 32 years, have, I have a deeper revelation of, Jesus, uh, of who Ainsley is. <laughs> and, and, actually, <laughs> and actually who Jesus is. Long-suffering is uh, <laughs> patience, <laughs> mercy. Um, but we see the book of Revelations actually comes from a Greek word which means the unveiling, the uncovering or the disclosure. And that's what the book of Revelations is all about. Now, the thing I like about the book of Revelations, and we're only going to go into books two and three, so don't stress, okay, <laughs> is that if we understand Jesus reveals himself to Paul, uh, to, uh, to John, sorry, to John, and he reveals seven things to seven churches. Now, to me, in my simple mind, I think if that's what Jesus revealed to John, then it must have some significance to us. Yeah. And if we can understand what he was trying to say to John on the revelation of the seven churches and we applied that to our life, we'd be fairly close to hitting the mark at least of the start point of where we need to go. So what do we need a revelation? We need a revelation because we need it for ourselves. But we also need it for the church and also we need it for the future. And as Pastor Christian was saying about our giving, it's about our past, it's about our present, it's about our future. For, the, for our revelation, it's not just about us. My grandfather was the first person to come to Christ in my family, raised, the, raised obviously his son, and the generation, next generation, um, all, you know, pastors all the way through, followers of Christ all the way through, I don't want to drop the ball on my family. At the moment, I've got three adult children who are all passionate in the house of God. I want to be to my grandkids the example that my grandfather was, and it only comes from having a revelation of who Jesus is. Now, the Jews often say that um, if you don't tell me what you believe, let me follow you for two weeks and I will tell you what you believe. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? If someone was to follow you for two weeks, what would they say that you believe? It's a challenge that I think in 2021 we could actually absorb and it helps us to guide our life on the type of person we actually are. Not what we think we are, but what we actually are and make the corrections. So here we go. Let's, we're going to do this in a quick hurry, okay, because we've got seven churches to go through. Ephesians, sorry, Ephesus, where, where we get the book of Ephesians from. Actually, for those who don't know, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians could have been written, the book of Laodicea, it could have been written the book of Titus, Atiah, Tyre. These seven churches we're going to get was the book went to Ephesus first and then was a circular letter that went around these seven churches and other churches. And it was actually the book of blank. You filled it in. Uh, but we call it Ephesians. But here he says, I know your works, your toil, your patience, your endurance, and how you haven't, haven't heard, uh, sorry, bared those who are evil, but have tested those who have called themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you have endured patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. What an account. You just go, double thumbs up, we are awesome. However, he says in verse 4, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love. 
you had at first. At, at first. You had forsaken your first love. This was a church that was a, a church by the book. It was the letter of the law. It was about doing it right. At, and it was no shades of grey. It was black and it was white. And what he says here is that the church was loveless. We can be all things religious, but if we do not display love, we fail to understand what Christ is all about. Christ is saying, I'm about truth shared with love. So this is the first, first revelation you need to have is that no matter what we do, it must be coated in the love of Christ. Because it doesn't matter how perfect we are, it doesn't matter how much we endure, it doesn't matter how much faith we have, if we do not have love and if we do not display it in love, then we, and he basically says, if you do not repent, I will cast you aside. Good thing about the second chance God is that we can repent. If that's a challenge for us, and I know it was a challenge for me years ago, I was a black and white guy. I grew up in a church where it was purely, it was a church straight out of Ephesus. And I was a, I was a minister straight out of Ephesus. Um, but I realised that I had to learn the love of Jesus, which then gave me an understanding of how to love others. Because when we understand the love that Jesus has for us and we can respond it back, how powerful that is for those that we meet. We read in Colossians 4 verse 6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know uh, how you ought to answer each person. Because we can speak from judgment. We can speak, and it's one of the criticisms of the church, is that we speak um, with condescending nature. But a church that Christ has asked for is a church that has learnt a way to speak truth, but in a matter of love. Okay, when we go to Smyrna, which is the second church, this one had no rebuke. This one was a positive. I do not fear, sorry, do not fear what you're about to suffer. He's saying here that these people are about to suffer. And he had confidence that they were a persecuted church, but a church that could withstand persecution. And what the message here is really saying is, is that I am with you. When you get a revelation of Jesus that he is with you, no matter your circumstances, he's right beside you. You may not be comfortable, but he's saying, I am with you. And when you have that understanding and that revelation, then we're not going to go and look elsewhere for an answer. We're not going to get anxiety. We're not going to get stressed. We're not going to suffer because we know that Jesus is with me. And that is a major revelation that we need to get is that he is beside us. Now, I look at the, I look at the circumstances of my life. We, I owned, Ains and I owned a funeral home many years ago. I thought it was God's answer. I thought it was God's will for my life. I can tell you now it wasn't. I made it happen. I put a square peg in a round hole and then I was wondering why it wasn't working and I was scratching my head and then, you know, I prayed and fast. Where are you, God? Because I didn't have a revelation that Jesus was with me. Once I lost the funeral home, nearly went bankrupt, had to rebuild our lives, I realised that what I had was in the next church, well, no, no, the church later on, is the place had become an idol. But in that whole time, I did not have a revelation that Jesus was with me. Since then, I have learned that Jesus is with me. And when the crisis comes, I just go with the wave. 
because I know wherever the wave is going, Jesus is with me. And wherever he pushes me in the storm, he is with me because he is in the storm with me because he has been there and lived in the storm. That's my second revelation. The third one is um, Pernama or whatever you want to call it or in the midst of evil it was called. And this was a town that was full of evil, full of pagan gods and the pagan worship. And we read here, he says, I know that you had dwelled where Satan's throne sits. So he was basically saying Satan was sitting right in this town at that time. Yet you hold fast to my name. You have not denied my faith. Uh, you have not divide, uh, sorry, denied my faith. Even the days of, what's his name, my faithful witness, who was killed amongst you where Satan dwells, But I have a few things against you. (laughs) There are some of you that hold to the teachings of Balaam uh, who have taught Balak to put to stumbling blocks before the sons of Israel so that they may eat the food, um, sacrifice to idols and practice sexual immorality. This was a church that had been worldly in its nature. It had allowed the, the influences of the world to come in within the church and within their values and within their character. I can tell you, that I've been a Christian all my life, been spirit-filled since 1973 uh, and, and have been passionate about Christ. But I can tell you, go and spend eight weeks with the army somewhere out in the middle of nowhere where there's no church, no time to pray because you're just consumed by the exercise or the activity. And I can tell you, in eight weeks... You start to your, your your worldly the worldly nature of that around you starts to invade you, and then you've got to come almost back to a cleansing, you know, to purify your heart again because your influences that you've been influenced by and been absorbed by and who you hang around with start to evade who you are. The encouragement here is is that Jesus is the Word, and we need to reposition our lives every day with the Word because if we don't, it's the influences of the world will drag us down. The concerns of the world will drag us down and influence our thinking. But it's in the word of God we will see exactly how we should think, how we ought to behave, what values we need to have. We don't need somebody to tell us that. It's all in here. And so we read in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in accordance to God's word. We see here that we need to have a revelation of God's word. We have to have a revelation that God is with us and we have to have a revelation that Jesus is love. The fourth church, which was Tyre, it was basically, and I'll summarise this one quickly while the scripture's up there, is that it had allowed false teaching to be done. And there's a lot of organisations now that will say you need to go into the deepest secrets of this and they will drag people away of the deeper teaching or the deeper theories that they have, um, you know, recently there was one with angels and there was one with this other group and there was one, you know, these are the sort of things that will distract Christians from their true following. The Bible is quite clear. You don't need much more than that, really. Um, it's, a, it's a thick book. Most people haven't read it fully. So you've got a lifetime of study. Get into it. But one thing we've got to realise is that Jesus is the son of God. You think about that. If Jesus is the Son of God, nothing else matters. If Jesus wasn't the Son of God, nothing else matters. Does that make sense? 
Because if he is the son of God, everything he said is true. And if everything he said is true, then what more do we need to worry about? What more do we need to be concerned about? If he is the son of God, he is with us. He has given his, we've got the word and he has shown us his love through his death and resurrection. What more do we need? Because he is the son of God. Because if he isn't the son of God, then all of this is a lie. Our world is a lie and really nothing really matters anyway. So why do we stress? Why do we become anxious? Why do we not sit in the peace that God has given us that surpasses all understanding? We live in a world where anxiety is off the Richter scale. Uh, I see that firsthand as a policeman. Anxiety, depression. It's because they don't know who they are in. And we need to have a revelation that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. The fifth one is, the, um, is Sardis. Basically, it was a dead church. It looked good on the outside, but it was dead, lifeless. <clears throat> they hadn't kept their relationship with Jesus, their Jesus going. They had not accepted that Jesus was actually still alive. They lived in a, 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 basically a discussion point that Jesus had been a person who was amazing but had died. We need to get a revelation that he is alive, that he is with us today, that he is, he is here with and, and supports us and cares for us. Amongst these people in the church, people had fallen asleep spiritually. What's that look like for us in the modern era? How often do we feed our spirit? How often do we call for the Holy Spirit, the comforter that Christ sent for us? How often do we send the Holy Spirit down to our lives to quench that spirit within us? That's through prayer, uh, through reading our word, to, to, you know, listening to podcasts, coming to church. That, that's a big start, church. But, you know, between church, what do we do? To feed that which is in us. I find nature is one of the greatest things for me. I just see a rain. I see, I see just nature. I just see God in everything in nature. And it just, I look at it and I'm just so amazed, you know, as I, it doesn't matter how old I get, I am still afresh with the amazement of God and what he has done. Not just in my life, but in the globe, the universe, the rest. The sixth church is the church of Philadelphia. And this was a church that was spiritually alive. And he encourages us. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door that no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, but yet you have kept your word and have not denied my name. He says here, I will open a door that no one can shut. We need to know that Jesus is faithful. Often we want to open the door that God doesn't want us to open up. But God, Christ will open the door that we're meant to walk through. He will be there for us. And we need to understand that he is faithful to that which he has promised. He cannot, if it's in this word, and I, I tell you what, Ainsley and I have a book um, by Joyce, Joyce, Meyer, Joyce Meyer, sorry, uh, what's it called? The Purple Book? I just noticed the Purple Book. <laughs> Speaking the word of God. And if you, if you do not know what to pray, pray scripture. Because you're declaring the name of Jesus every time you declare a scripture. It says that when you declare the word of God, it will not come back a void. Declare his name. So when you don't know what to pray or how to pray, get a book. And if you want to know, I'll tell you later. 
Um, but it sits on the, my, de- my bedside table. It doesn't matter when I'm feeling whatever, I go to whatever that chapter is and I declare the word of God over the problem. I get an inner peace and I walk away knowing that I no longer have to fear. Because fear is something that's natural. I'm not saying I don't fear. I get scared sometimes. Um, try not to. <laughs> you get scared, you pray about it. You declare that Jesus is faithful. He loves me. He is with me. He is the Son of God. He is alive. So therefore, I am okay. And the last one, and this is the, definitely the one you don't want to be, it's the Church of Laodicea. Actually, Laodicea, was a church, you wouldn't want to live there because the water was in there. It was lukewarm. It had a bit of sulfur in it. It was foul to drink. Um, but it was a great place where they made great um, clothing and they were very wealthy. And what happened was sometimes our, the blessing that we do get, the wealth that we do get, the comfort that we do get naturally leads us to become lukewarm. Yeah. And it says here, and because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's probably the worst thing that God could do is spit you out of his mouth, I think. Um, but we see here is that the one reason that what the Laodiceans had done is they would go to church and they would do the things that looked right, but in essence they were just doing it out of habit. How often have we, if you were to live in habit with your partner or with a child, how long would that relationship be sustained? A relationship only grows because the more we invest in it, the more time we invest in it. And one thing we know about Jesus is whilst he is love and whilst he is with us and whilst he is the son of God and whilst he is alive and whilst he is faithful, above all things, he is relational. He wants to be in an individual relationship with each of us, not just the collective, but each and every one of us. And that comes as a two-way street, not just that we can rest on those around us that are in relationship with Jesus that hopefully will just get washed up in the wave and be a groupie. He wants to be in a personal relationship with each one of us, and that's what he wants to declare. So Jesus is love. He is he is with me. He is the word of God. He is the son of God. He is alive. He is faithful. And most important, he just wants to be your brother. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your mate. He wants to be your saviour. He wants to be your healer. He wants to be the multifaceted person that he is because he loves you. When we get that revelation that Jesus is not something that's far away and far removed, but something that is this close to us and wants to be with us and understand us, how will that change your world? Think about 2021. How can we move into the next 11 or so months and make this year the best year we've ever had in Jesus? How can we do that? What's the couple of things we could change right now He doesn't expect us to fix everything. That's what grace is about. But if we want a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, we have to be committed to something. And it could be just simply, I'm going to pray for a few minutes each day 
I'm going to declare a spot, as Pastor Christian said, where I can just go. And often my prayers are not, <clears throat> I just go outside and I'll go, how are you going, Jesus? <laughs> having a good day? I'm having a great day. Love what you're doing with the garden, except those weeds bit. <laughs> but that's my conversation. It's because I'm communing with him because he is like, he is a mate. And like, like a brother, like a, like a lord. Someone I want to just hang out with. And when we have that revelation, it's amazing what God can do. You know what I mean? As the scripture says, the man will look in the mirror and see the countenance and the, and the things that he needs to change. But will then turn away and forget what he saw. I know for myself, I've come to many meetings. I've heard many great messages. I've seen something, but I didn't purpose it in my heart. I've walked away and Monday happens and what I saw on Sunday has not impacted me other than the Sunday. We could do that today. We could walk away and think, yeah, well, that was great. Good service. Peter was a bit grumpy. That's only because I've been working today. So, <laughs> But, you know, we could change today by saying, what am I going to do today? What am I going to purpose in my heart to know Jesus more? How am I going to enhance my revelation of who He is? And how is that going to inform the rest of my life? Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.